Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. There are a lot of big weekends in the Scottish Rugby calendar, but few bigger than this. A Scottish team this weekend will win one or two pieces of silverware, and it's not often that you can say that. Alan, if I could offer you a choice between the 1872 Cup and the Italian Scottish Shield, which one would you choose? Bloody heck, Sophie's choice. Um... I think it's got to be that shield. It's new. It's there's more teams. It's uh, an inaugural winner, and it also kind of, oh, like ultimately, it sort of I guess does mean a little bit more in the context of the tournament. So yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for the shield. Matt, are you happy to take the shield, or, or are you still gunning for the 1872 cup? I think it's easy to forget the 1872 cup is the longest running sort of rival, rivalry in rugby. So, you know, we know how much it means to them when they play it, what is it, six or seven times a year. It's, it's very special occasions, you know, these one-off matches. It is going to be very, very exciting. But we are at the climax, the final chapter, if you will, of the URC regular season. And there is an awful lot to play for, not least the 1872 Cup and the Italian-Scottish um, Shield. But also looking ahead to next season, Big implications on European rugby for both of these teams and positions in the knockouts and who gets uh, and who they get in the quarterfinals. So we're going to be going through all that. The teams were released a couple of hours ago. And so the countdown to the big match is on. Uh, we will be covering the game on our Twitter feed. That's at Thistle Rugby Pod. And we'll probably do some build up and reaction stuff on Instagram as well. That's, in, that's thistle underscore rugby underscore pod. And then we will break it down 
for your inboxes in the newsletter on Monday morning. So get yourself on a Substack, Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast, and subscribe, and that'll drop in your inbox at 9 a.m. on Monday morning. Um, so let's should we just dive straight into it? Teams came out um, a couple of hours ago. Alan, just on that first blush, looking at that side-by-side, Edinburgh versus Glasgow, who do you think is looking stronger on paper coming into the match tomorrow? I'd say marginally Edinburgh. I think probably Edinburgh have got a couple more injuries, but I think when you look at that, probably front five, uh, a bit around sort of maybe like the, the back, sort of 13 to sort of 15, and then the bench, those are probably three areas where I think Edinburgh, I think they've probably got a slight um, uplift on what Glasgow are putting out on the pitch. Matt, what do you reckon? Yeah, I'd probably agree. I mean, um, it's quite interesting that you look at that Edinburgh lineup now and Blair, as we've talked about before, has rotated his squad a lot. But it feels like this is probably what he thinks is, is his strongest team. Um, and like the fact that even Ben Muncaster, who's featured a lot recently, isn't in the starting lineup. Um, instead of a Crosby, instead of putting Watson, Bradbury starting in there, like, I think it's quite interesting. Um, but then, you know, you go through that Glasgow 15. I mean, it, it's pretty similar to the, the team that's maybe fallen away in recent matches, but it is still pretty strong. And, like, I even think that putting in, you know, taking out Johnny Matthews has been on very good form for Turner, to me, sort of um, speaks to Wilson, like, taking this game really seriously as you would, but trying to put out, like, his highest quality team I think a little bit more detail into some of those um, sort of combinations the key areas around the park that are, are going to make the big difference I mean Kinghorn again we're, we're, there's been so much conversation about Kinghorn at 10 he slots in against the sort of the um, at the start of the season you would have said that Ross Thompson was the sort of the coming 10 in Scottish rugby and, and Kinghorn sort of dropped in there partnering with the two sort of Ali Price the, the incumbent and um, Ben Velikot someone who's sort of trying to break into that Scotland squad. I mean, and how do you see that sort of um, the nine tens having an, an impact on the game? Yeah, I guess the first thing is I think the the tens, whilst obviously they've got sort of extremely sort of different styles, you know, I'd say you know Kinghorn takes the line obviously a lot harder. We'll we'll look to try and sort of get offloads and 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 look for sort of line breaks. I'd say that both are kind of in a bit of a similar situation where I think both clearly have a much sort of higher ceiling in terms of where they can go as a standoff. But I think as you sort of look across the season, what both have done is sort of performed really well in a lot of matches that I wouldn't say don't matter, but are against opposition that are either sort of mid to low in the, in the URC and are sort of in matches that aren't sort of knockout games and more sort of regular season. And I think actually what's quite a good thing for this is to see two players that are playing in what is probably the biggest club match of both of their careers. And ultimately it'd be good to see which one of them is able to sort of basically put their stamp on, on the match, but with kind of quite different styles. With that in mind then, Matt, who, who would you rather have on your, on your team, Ross Thompson or Blair Kinghunt? Uh I mean, I think it kind of depends on the style of, of rugby you want to play, I think. Kinghorn really suits the open rugby that Blair has, has tried to to implement this season. Um, I think Thompson is less of a running threat and more of a 
sort of controlling 10. Um, I, I think at the moment, if you could, if you could add sort of like 20 or 30% of Thompson's kicking game to Kinghorn's general playmaking and rugby ability, then you've got a very good player on your hands. And I think that's probably how Scotland would ideally and Edinburgh would ideally see Kinghorn developing. Um, so I think in the context of tomorrow's game, I don't know, if I was Kinghorn, I'd be pretty confident of like being able to get one up on Thompson. You know, Thompson's young, he's still got a lot to learn in the game and a lot of potential, but you'd like to think that, think that if Kinghorn is going to be our sort of second standoff, then he should be almost dominating that contest. I guess his history tells us that most 1872 matches aren't open running affairs, appreciate even with sort of nice weather. So I guess it's just to your point around sort of Kinghorn and Thompson's sort of skills and strengths. I guess it's just whether what a normal 1872 match is, does that potentially lean a little bit more into Thompson's kind of strengths than maybe Kinghorn's? Yeah, I think you're right. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if tomorrow is a fairly dire affair, which, which would just be really disappointing though, because you look at both of those teams and, you know, they're strong packs with really exciting, good, um, sort of dynamic players in the back line. So, yeah, I can completely see that happening. But we probably said that before about two strong lineups and it being a bit of a, a dud. Yeah, and looking into the, looking into the centres, I mean, just a little sidebar. Chris Dean and Mark Bennett, get that in a Scotland jersey against Argentina this summer. Get get the prince a cap, come on! He deserves it. You got you got to get him at least against Chile. Got to him in Chile. Get him. Really? Um, you got Dean and Bennett. I mean, Bennett's probably been one of the highest performing Scottish club players this whole season, breaking back into the Scotland setup a little bit as well. Up against, I mean, Johnson. I think he's probably had a quiet season, a little bit injury affected, and then Tua Pilotu, who's really. Um, who's definitely done better than an awful lot of people expected us included. I mean, it does make for quite an interesting, interesting battle in the middle of the park. Firstly, I, I, I reckon Christine's going to be your um, Roddy Grant of the back line. I can see him doing sort of like a, a 12 year sort of shift at Edinburgh rugby, never leaving. And then just like never getting that Scotland cap. Um, was it, it's an interesting one with sort of Christine, I guess it feels like sort of three months ago, I kind of felt like he was increasingly being sort of shifted out of the team. You sort of had Lang and Bennett as that sort of starting centre combo. And then almost you had people like sort of Matt Curry coming in and seemed to be getting picked ahead of ahead of him. Um, but then he sort of had a couple of games for Edinburgh where I think he's been almost sort of the standout back and seems to have sort of developed a bit of a, a bit of a stronger sort of like distribution game. Um so I appreciate Lang's sort of coming off from injury, but I thought they would still try to to get him into that starting spot. But clearly, they're they're happy with Dean at, Dean at twelve. The beauty of uh, Super Six, exactly. The reason it was there. Get, One... get sent out, get sent out to the nails, and they hate to say it, but they've managed to help him develop his game. He comes back to Edinburgh. They're like, "Where did you learn to like do a mispass?" And he's like, "Goldie, Goldie boys." <laughs> it's I guess it's a weird with Johnson and Tupelo so I feel like 
they've both been really solid, but potentially neither has really had a particular sort of standout match for Glasgow in the sort of at least like the second half of the season. I remember sort of at the you know a couple of the early games, especially Tupelotu was sort of being you know especially you remember that game against Exeter. Um, but I feel like both of them have kind of got a little bit quiet, and especially sort of in terms of being able to break the line. It just feels still that that centre kind of combo at Glasgow is, is struggling to get much going. They they were both involved in the why not night out, were they not? <laughs> is this, they were. Do you think this is a, the, the, the reason why? Well, you know, it's, I'm not I'm not saying causation is or correlation is causation, but you know, it could no smoke be. without fire. <laughs> <laughs> And then into the into the back three, you probably um, again it's a, a, an awful lot of high quality performers from across the season. Ollie Smith's having a bit of a breakthrough year. Josh Mackay has been has been very strong since he joined Glasgow, and Rufus McLean, who I think has been out injured. Am I right in saying for for Glasgow for the last yeah. little bit? Yeah, yeah. last yeah. three months, I think. Again, another one having a bit of a breakthrough year, and I expect to see an awful lot of him through the summer. But then. You know, up against Buffelli, Graham, and, and Hoyland again, three unbelievably seasoned campaigners. And I mean, Matt, you've been banging the Buffelli for first minister drum all season. You know, do you still see him as one of the most effective sort of Scottish club signings ever? Yeah. I mean, it's only been a season, right? But I think he's played extremely well in every single game and has proved the match winner in quite a few uh, big big victories for Edinburgh so um, I mean it's interesting the fact that we, we talked about it the other week but Mojano leaving but they managed to at least keep Buffelli for another year I think is whether he's done a two-year contract or not I think it's, it's pretty like um, amazing piece of business overall I'm sure he's got a lot more suitors than than he had previously um, yeah I think that it's a shame that Mojano um, is injured or whatever is unavailable and even like Immelman's been pretty good for Edinburgh this season, which maybe would have allowed Buffelli to go on to the wing. Um, but I think Hoyland's looked pretty decent when he's come back from injury, when he's had his chance. Um, so I, I think that they that, that Edinburgh back three, just by virtue of their probably like slightly greater experience, edge it. But then again, I think that Ollie Smith... Um, has arguably been sort of Glasgow's best player in, in recent weeks. So it'll be quite interesting to see him sort of, what, as, as Alan said, in like arguably sort of one of the biggest matches of his pro career so far. I, I think, to your point, you know, whilst there's obviously a lot of potential in that Glasgow back three, it feels like, the, especially in a sort of high pressure moment, this is sort of the matchup where you Edinburgh could see quite a big difference. Like ultimately, Darcy Graham and Buffelli are like international quality back three players and Hoyland is, you know, a pretty senior player. So I just wonder whether where they might try and put a lot of pressure, you know, whether it's sort of Buffelli putting up sort of box kicks, et cetera, and try and target both sort of probably Ollie Smith and, and Rufus McLean coming back from injury. I feel like Rufus McLean, I still, I appreciate he's, he's had the sort of wonder try, but I'm still not quite sure if he sort of really delivered consistently for Glasgow. I was a bit surprised that he got sort of shipped right back into the squad after being three years out. But 
to be fair, they, they don't seem to really have anyone else on the bench. Cancellari is, is out injured as well. So maybe it was just a case of there actually isn't that many people left <laughs> to, to put into the squad. Yeah, I think, I think you're probably right on, on that one. I mean, looking into the, looking into the front rows, our, our specialty. Um, you look at that showman cherry now. It's really like gnarly horrible front row that Edinburgh are putting out. I mean, it's not, it's not bad Batty, Turner and Fagerson, but you would probably give Edinburgh the, the, the sort of the, uh, the, the lead on that one. Wouldn't you, Alan? What's, what's the like gnarliest, like worst front row that Scotland can put out? Is it Schumann, Turner and Nell? It feels like Schumann and Turner, are your top two. Yeah. It's just whoever, yeah, factor. whoever partners them. I'm not sure. I think Fra- Fraser Brown, if he's fit, is like a, a gnarly old boy these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. Yeah, that. age, is, age has definitely got something to do with gnarl. Yeah, no, I get that. It's, um, But yeah, it feels, again, Turner in in these sort of matches does seem to always have quite, especially in sort of 1872, yeah. I think has quite strong performances it seems to sort of bring maybe the fact that obviously he was at edinburgh maybe just adds a little bit of spice for him um but i do agree that it feels like with schumann and nell just at that sort of club level they're just such a strong and consistent combo um but saying that i feel like from again a caveat not area of expertise but it feels like fagus and batty across sort of the last sort of few matches have mm. been fairly steady in terms of especially a sort of set piece. Um, so I imagine Edinburgh will target that, but how much sort of they'll get, I'm not sure. I think pre, pre-Lions Fagerson against Schumann would have been a really good test of, I suppose, both players, but maybe more Fagerson. Because um, I think Fagerson has struggled quite a lot since the Lions and I think even in recent months of Glasgow, he's become a, and even for Scotland as well, like those sort of that tendency to give away a lot of penalties has been pretty prevalent. Whereas I think Schumann over the last two years, 18 months, his stock has just continued to rise. Um, but I do feel that Fagerson at his best against Schumann is a, is a proper sort of like heavyweight matchup. And there, there, there ends our, our, the quality of our analysis on, on front rows. I think looking into the second rows, you think you've got Hodgson, Hodgson and Gilchrist versus Harley and Gray. I mean, my big question mark is there is that how many more times can Rob Harley and Richie Gray go to the well? Like that is a, that is a, 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 the, the look of a very veteran second row. But Richie Ray, Gray has been sort of dominant in the air this season. So... Again, there's, there's a lot of interest in, in that match chat, possibly less flowing through to sort of Scotland um, discussions, but it is quite an interesting, uh, an interesting setup, Matt. Yeah, I, I increasingly think that Richie Gray is, he's a useful player to have for Glasgow in that he is extremely tall. And that is about it, really, which makes him like really good in the line out. And he's pretty heavy in the scrum, but I'd say around the park. He doesn't really do a lot. Rob Harley could probably say some some of the things like he will. I'm sure he'll make like twelve passive tackles and hit a high amount of 
of rucks. Um, whereas I think that Hodgson is, you know, obviously younger, a lot more dynamic, decent ball skills. And Gilchrist will probably give you a lot of what Gray and Harley gives you whilst also being, whilst not the best carrier, like someone who's a link man, um, has decent hands. I think I just get the sense that Hodgson Gilchrist gives you a lot more dynamism and, and impact than, than Gray and Harley. I would certainly go along with that. Alan, do you have anything to add to the second, the second row debate? Yeah, I agree. I guess it's, it feels, I mean, I mean, I think if you sort of looked at that sort of combination sort of pre-COVID, you'd be like, oh my God, that Glasgow combo is so much better and dynamic. Or maybe not, actually. I think back to sort of when Richie Gray started to potentially sort of tail off. Um, but I agree. I think, again, it's it's probably an area where less so in the set piece, but around the park, both in sort of attack and defence, I think um, that's probably an area where Edinburgh will have a slight a slight advantage. And I also think when you look back to sort of the, obviously the Leon game is the most recent and probably clear example of a setting in which that Glasgow pack or Glasgow team started to sort of really tail off around the kind of 55 minute mark. And I think ultimately Gray and Harley start to sort of struggle sort of further into the game. And obviously Kieran, I think Lewis Bean came off the bench against Leon, but they've got obviously Kieran McDonald and, and Gregor Brown to come on, which when you sort of compare it to, uh, Sykes and then Muncaster it feels like there's quite a big delta in, in quality, both in terms of starting and people coming off the bench. Yeah, Sykes went on his um, speed awareness course and he's allowed, yeah. to, he's, allowed to, he's allowed to play. <laughs> Just going back there, did you call Rob Harley dynamic a couple of minutes ago? I don't think I did. I think you yeah. should? Yeah, <laughs> no, did I, did I, did I, we're going to have to listen back check, to that. Check the tape. I think you're wrong. <laughs> I, think, I think Rob Harley is doing like a similar broad jump distance to you, Alan. I think that's how dynamic he is. I don't even know what a broad jump is. <laughs> Just like standing jump as far as you can forward. Oh, or like a vert- max vertical jump, I think. I'm well, he's, I'm, yeah, I think it's about the same as any of us, to be fair. I'm not sure I'm even getting a ruler's height. <laughs> a 15 centimeter ruler. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little one that fits in your um, pencil case for school. <laughs> um, and then moving on, I mean, into the back row, the sort of final discussion point of this, the starting 15. I mean, Crosby, Watson, Bradbury, very serious. Wilson, Gordon, Dempsey. Again, I, I'm finding myself when I'm reading these out on paper, I'm always sort of leaning a little bit towards Edinburgh in these, um, these sort of matchups in the pack in particular. Alan, are you f- feeling the same way or am I, am I being harsh on Glasgow? No, I think you're fair. I think maybe sort of like first half of the season, Dempsey with maybe last year's Tom Gordon and maybe sort of three years ago, Ryan Wilson would have uh, given you a more sort of equal lineup. But, but there, I think it's, I think you're right. I think there is just in all those positions, actually, I, I think you would back sort of Crosby, current Crosby now slightly over Wilson. I think Watson just has the edge over, um, obviously does have the edge, sorry, over Gordon. And then actually, whilst obviously Dempsey has been a really good signing, I think, just not sure whether it's sort of just the fact that he sort of came over and played a lot of matches, but it does feel like he's not as impactful as he was, especially at sort of the start of the season. And um, obviously, you know, Bradbury, I think, still 
been quite consistent. So again, I think an area where it's not sort of a gigantic sort of delta between the two, but I think you just got to give it to Edinburgh just slightly. I, I think Dempsey still edges it over Bradbury. Yeah. And I, th- I think if, if Bradbury was in Dempsey's position, playing in a team where the forwards weren't sort of on top in a lot of games and where you had to sort of like be the leader and be the best performer in that team. I think Dempsey's done an incredibly good job of that, that even when Glasgow hadn't been playing well, he's stood out. And I even think in like the recent games where they've fallen away, at least at the start of the game, he's still been one of Glasgow's like top three performers consistently. So I think he has the edge, but I, I think the other two, I, I agree. Um, it, it's interesting because like, I think obviously with Mata and Richie out, they would probably be in your best back row. But we've seen in recent years that Edinburgh have been able to rotate those positions and not lose that much. Like it's good replacements coming in. Just yeah. kind of shows the depth that they have. And yeah, I look at Crosby, Watson and Bradbury and I, I think that's it's a really nice blend of kind of like three very physical but different players in their own way. I think it's the same back row that, that played against Ulster when they just lost to the home. I guess, you know, it's, and I think whilst obviously Edinburgh lost the match, I thought they, they all broadly had a, a relatively sort of strong game. It's, but yeah, I guess, you know, we'll sort of get onto it, but I guess we're, we're going to go into the, the, the Edinburgh narrative and how this, how the whole narrative rests on this one match or the Blair narrative. Yeah. I mean, certainly the narrative we've been talking about all year. I mean, the, the permutations of this game are sort of, there's lots of them and, go on to the Instagram, the URC official page, they can be explained to you in, you know, really sort of confusing detail. But as it sort of stands, layman's terms, the winner of this game will get into the Champions Cup next season. They will avoid an away trip to Leinster in the uh, in the last eight of the URC. They will win the Italian Scottish Shield. The only like wrinkle in the the fourth bit, which is obviously the eighteen seventy two cup, Glasgow carry a thirteen point lead into that. But to your point on Edinburgh, Alan, you know it's it's certainly felt there's been a real feel good factor around the around the place, new stadium, new coach, new style of rugby that's been sort of delighting the fans. But you know, if they lose to Glasgow tomorrow, you know, chances of them getting anything out of Leinster, I would say, are pretty close to zero. Not necessarily a judgment on Edinburgh, but. It is pretty much that would end their URC run, and they're in the champion, the Challenge Cup again next season. You know, narrative busting. It's um, th- there is quite a lot on the line for that. The sort of, I guess, the mentality of Edinburgh looking forward into next season. Hundred percent. I think um, you know, ultimately for for Blair, you said there's been such sort of like a positive aura around him and him and that team, and it. it but at the same time. You, you want to see progress. And I think if you end up going into next season, sort of losing quarterfinalists to Leinster in the Challenge Cup again, it, it, you're, you're obviously just not seeing that. And, and then, but on the flip side, I think even if you end up with a sort of losing quarterfinal in the Champions Cup, there's just enough there for him to be able, for them to be able to sort of like talk about how that team is, the team is progressing. Yeah, I mean, I think we talked about this on the last pod. You know, it is only one season, and he has done a bit of an, a huge overhaul. And there's definitely some like personal improvement from from players that are clearly thriving under Blair. Um, I guess, Matt, if I give you, you know, 
Are Edinburgh a good value stock for next season? You know, they drop, they they've sort of done all their in-house stuff this year. Maybe yes, they'll end up in the Challenge Cup um, for next season, but perhaps they've got they've they've got a higher peak that they can reach next year than Glasgow. I'd probably argue that Glasgow would be the better value stock because their value is pretty like low at the moment. I think their expectations are pretty low. People are pretty pessimistic about them. Whereas I think with, with Edinburgh, I don't know if they're like maybe slightly been a little bit overvalued um, just because they've been doing some nice new and shiny things. So Edinburgh have got a really good ESG strategy, but their fundamentals yeah, yeah. just aren't there. Yeah, exactly. That's actually, <laughs> that's, that's perfect. Yeah. They're a jam, they're a jam tomorrow story. I guess, yeah. I guess I feel with Edinburgh, that, just trying to think about what's the ceiling of that team. And I think when you look especially at that sort of second row and back row and with the sort of 9-10, it feels like the ceiling is a lot higher than the potential one for Glasgow. If you can get Velikot and Kinghorn just kind of a couple of gears above where they are now, Muncaster, Watson Boyle, Ritchie, and with Sykes and Hodgson still developing, I feel like when you compare that to who's in those sort of similar positions at Glasgow, the you see that Edinburgh the potential is a lot higher. But uh, like I'm not a I'm not a stock picker, so what the fuck do I know? <laughs> well, speaking of stock picking, let let's just go ahead and and, and nail our colours to the mast for the weekend. Matt, I'll come to you first. Edinburgh, or Glasgow this weekend. Who are you backing? I, I think Edinburgh. If I had put money in it, I think Edinburgh will win it, but. I think these games are always fairly narrow just because they tend to be pretty tense affairs rather than opening up. Um, but so Edinburgh I, to I, win, I, but Glasgow to win the eighteen seventy two. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a good, that's a good prediction. But I'm not completely writing Glasgow off. I think that you know it's a cliche, but like often the form book does go out the window in these kind of games. Let's say because the games are just a bit rubbish. Um, Do you think? That, so I think I, I could was... see Glasgow winning. I think it was Glasgow's uh, one of Glasgow's assistants coaches that was sort of talking about the fact that they're playing on the big pitch at Murrayfield as a bit of a leveler, as opposed to being playing out on the dam. Do you think the dam is that intimidating for Glasgow players? It's like this is like their training ground for international rugby. It's not like they're hitting like the cauldron at Tobin Park. I, d- I don't think. Well, it's apparently, you don't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, d- I, d- I don't think it's intimidating. I think it's that Edinburgh. This season, to be fair, I think have created a pretty good atmosphere there. So they would have want, preferred that atmosphere to a quarter full Murrayfield where Glasgow would have experienced yes, that point. atmosphere tons of times. And I think it's more about the benefit for Edinburgh than intimidation of Glasgow. Maybe. And who are you, who are you backing then? <laughs> um, I think it's, to a sort of discussion uh, earlier, I, I think it's going to be a pretty dross game. Um, and I think... Ultimate, but I think Edinburgh's sort of bench and sort of general sort of staying power in the forwards will mean that they just get the slight upper hand. So I'm going to go for a 18-13 win for for Edinburgh. Glasgow still gets a lift that sweet, sweet 1872 trophy. But lose everything else. But lose everything else. That is a quite a fun one, isn't it? Um I don't know. I, I think I'm maybe being skewed by the last time that Edinburgh played Glasgow and Glasgow won kind of out of the blue. I know it was during the international period, but yeah, Edinburgh, maybe Edinburgh will, will try and chase the game a little bit. Maybe not. 
just for the fun of it, I'll say Glasgow. Why not? Glasgow to win all four. 1872 Italian Shield, missing Leinster and getting the Champions Cup for next year. I think a bit of a narrative buster is also better for the pod next week. So you've got to think think in those terms, editorial terms, guys, as well. And then Edinburgh beat Leinster away in the quarterfinals and shit just kicks off. Are we going? Should we go to the RDS? No, I can't. I've got to look after my daughter that weekend. She could come. She's away. I could could, could take Ash. Freya to the like, RDS. Um, why don't we go? Why don't we go just three of us with Freya? It'd be like that um, baby's day out film, whatever it's called. Three men, whatever. Three, three men and three a baby. baby. Three men and a baby. Yeah, yeah. yeah which one? Which one. one of us is Tom Selleck? I suppose you're that's the only the one thing. with facial hair, so you'd have to cut that into a mustache for the weekend. If you do that, <laughs> I'm so in. <laughs> I'm definitely, I definitely, I would cut it into a mustache, and then day before you both be like, "Nah, we can't go anymore." Yeah, pull out, and you have in Dublin on your own. Just, just looking at sort of the the permutations, I guess, of the teams above Glasgow. Who do we not? Who we or ahead above Glasgow and Edinburgh? Who would we prefer to have as sort of the quarterfinal? So, for whichever team wins this match, you've got sort of Munster, Sharks, and Stormers, and Ulster all sort of in the mix. Probably don't want to go to South Africa. <laughs> Or do you think actually you don't really want to go to Ireland either? <laughs> I know because <laughs> no, it's kind of the really problem. Bad. I was trying to think of what is the the week away fixture there. Possibly you, Ulster. I think you could beat the Stormers or the Sharks away. Actually, ahead of any of those Irish teams. I think you're probably right. Ed, I mean, Edinburgh did it right. They beat Sharks. Yeah, Glasgow. Glasgow, like a better team than Glasgow, which you know I think arguably Edinburgh are, could have won that Stormers game. And the Bulls, probably, to be honest. So we're saying, we're hoping, probably, that either the Sharks or Stormers or go up into second or Glasgow or Edinburgh go ahead of the, the Bulls. Um, and then you probably end up having to go to Ireland for your semi-final. <laughs> it's, so we've got two, we've got a way trip to Pretoria and then we go, to, and then we go to Ireland for the semi. So sounds ready. Good. Yeah. yeah sounds good. A storm is a trip to Cape Town for the Stormers quarter would be so good. Oh, on weekend in Cape Town. <laughs> same same time zone would be fine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cape Town and add Limerick. I'd, I'd rather go to Limerick than Dublin because I think Limerick would be quite fun. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Let's hope. Let's hope. I think that's all we can do. <laughs> at this stage great well we will be back um, next week we'll make sure you check out the newsletter on Monday morning first things first we'll get you sort of first flush reactions in that and then we'll come together to do a pod next we can break down where we are for the rest of the season as I say follow us on Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod and we'll be doing some tweets and some silly stuff during the match but until then enjoy your Friday night enjoy uh, the big game tomorrow cheers Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.